Welcome back to episode 78 of On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast. The Ohio Hockey Digest is the foremost location for hockey in Ohio, covering every level played from youth and high school to juniors, college, and pro. Articles written to keep the hockey community up to date on all happenings with hockey in Ohio. My name is Tim Sullivan. I am joined by Jason Levinowski, Scott Harrington, and producer Dan Humphrey. With On Air, we are bringing you the fresh content, adding voices, names, and faces to interesting people making the Ohio hockey community better. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest On Air podcast is brought to you by the Ohio Hockey Project. Keep developing your game this summer with youth camps and off-season training. Go to www.ohiohockeyproject.com to learn more. Well, last time we were all together, we spoke with new head coach of the USHL's Young Talent Phantom, Ryan Ward, and heard about his unique background, quite unique, working his way up as a volunteer equipment manager, reaching the pro ranks as a video coordinator, and now a head coach in the uh, USHL. Uh, his discussion of, of I found it funny when he said, if you want to be in this game, expect to be at the rank 26 hours a day. Yeah, I, uh, I tweeted out one of the clips from it and I said, so you want to work in sports? And it was uh, him talking about how he basically slept at the rink, started as a, was in a volunteer equipment manager, I think, with the Providence Bruins and yeah. uh, just hung around and made himself useful and, uh, you know, started to learned how to cut up video on that and uh, got good at that and ended up working in, you know, with some pro teams as a video coordinator and video coach and actually ended up behind the bench with the, uh, with the uh, Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds, which right. is kind of crazy. Right. Um, and now he's back behind the bench with the Phantoms. So um, excited about uh, what they've got going on there. Hopefully uh, uh, we'll hear later. They had some all-star selections and things like that. And uh, hopefully they've got a good team loaded up for next year there in Youngstown. First year head coach, first head coaching job ever. Yeah. Right that's, in the USHL. It's a, a high level to be starting out. Yeah. So you, you, you talked to us, you, you went to a game this, this year and you said that yep. the level is at the highest you've ever seen in the USHL. It's, it's really good. If you're in, I don't know how far it is from Columbus, but I'm on the West side of Cleveland. It only took me an hour 15 to get there. So nice places to uh, do game prep beforehand and uh, just crazy. I think that there were 30, 40 kids dressed, 38 had division one scholarships lined up. So between the two teams. Yeah. And one of them is going to be the, a top three pick in the draft next year. Not this summer, but next summer. They're playing the Steel, right? Playing the Chicago Steel. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I think that when we talked about that he needs to do, and I don't know how he does it, but he's got to get Youngstown behind this program. Because even you said you went there and it was, it was barren. Yeah, it was rough. And it was a late season, late season game and all that. But uh, they did make the playoffs. They had a decent team. But, uh, you know, when you compare and contrast that to, you know, we're going to talk about Toledo here later on and what, you know, they're just filling that building 8,200 every night. Just crazy. Every time I talk to Dan, he's like, we set a new record last night, set a new record last night. You know, and it's uh, we had a buddy of ours that was at the game uh, two nights ago and it was he sent us a video. It was just it was just packed. Yeah. And, so. Uh, um. Yeah, and I and I think I told you guys I secured a pair of tickets for game six and seven. Right. Assuming there is one. Uh, hopefully there is one. Um, and, you know, I don't know next Tuesday and Thursday what everybody's doing. But uh, I want to go experience that myself. That would be neat. So that's a 14th and 15th, right? 14th and, and 16th. 14th and 16th. Okay. Right, because there's, there's something that's happening on the 15th that we're going to talk about later here Correct. in the show. So. Correct. Okay. All right. Well, the Toledo Walleye are on another thrilling postseason run in the East Coast Hockey League playoffs and have reached the Kelly Club Finals against the Florida Everglades. They opened the league championship series in Toledo over, over the weekend. Uh, and here to talk about it this, this week is going to be Blade reporter Mark Monroe. We also have in studio with us Rob McKinley from Hockey Players and Business uh, to talk to us a little bit about Hockey Players and Business, his, uh, uh, what he does with hockey, and uh, we'll get to him in a minute. But what's up with the boys? We got to get Coach Lev all hooked up here. So, Scott, why don't you go ahead first? Uh, I would – so, didn't have a whole lot going on at our place this weekend. But um, we were going to go see uh, Maverick. Everybody's raving about the Maverick movies. Have, have any of you guys seen it? I have not. No. Dan, have you? No. No, I have not. All right. Well, I passed then. 
No, I, I hear very good things. It's not normally something that I would bother to go see, but everybody's raving about it. So I'm going to have to get out, get out and see that. Yeah, I hear it. I hear it's unbelievable. Yeah. Okay, so we, we have you, a total disaster oh, going on here. We got bad my, line change going yeah, on. Yeah, that was right a now. terrible line change. We just got called for too many men on the ice right there. <laughs> we have a, a, a headphone Technical situation. difficulties because the organization that we work for here or using their spot has conveniently taken a pair of headphones from us. So Well, no, they got end-of-the-year cleanup going on up here, so I don't know what the hell's going on. Somebody housed some headphones. I'm sweating like a nun in church, but anyways... Uh, so what's up with you, Jay? Anything new? No, nothing new. Uh, you know, got youth uh, sports going uh, across the uh, area, and I saw a triple play the other day. It's fantastic. Was it one kid tagging out three runners? Uh, almost one kid. Well, it was a, a pop up to third base. Third base. The guy on third wanted to score so so badly, he just took off. So catch, tag third, throw to first, which it took a relay to get from third to first. <laughs> Uh, it also hit the guy, hit the first baseman in the chest. Uh, crisis averted. He started crying after he touched first base because the guy in first base decided to run the sack. Uh, other than that, nothing, man. It's uh, excited to go back into an ice rink. Yeah, we go back tomorrow because it's uh, nice and warm outside. I want to go back in the cold. <clears throat> I had my final uh, uh, volleyball tournament last weekend uh, down in Columbus, which was uh, it was nice. It was good. Girls had a good year, but um, it's just I'm glad it that it's over you know last year at this time we were preparing for the uh the 14 days of vegas between the volleyball and all that so we're not doing that this year thank god i don't know if my wallet or my liver could handle it again but 10 more days than you want to be in vegas yeah it's probably 12 more days than i wanted to be there (laughs) i mean it was insane rob i did 14 days in vegas last year consecutively 14 days, 14 days. You gotta be kidding. How many many by yourself? So I did two by my, well, it was like 36 hours by myself, but just so happened it make a long story short. My, I was scheduled to go there for a, uh, um, a conference for school, a week, week long conference. And my, my youngest daughter made the national tournament for volleyball and just happened to be in Vegas the week before. So instead of me flying home for a day and then flying back, I said, "Ah, what the hell I'll stay for the 36 hours and wait for the guys from work to come down. 14 days down there is just way too long. I did that, learn. That I did 36 hour window. That's where stuff goes bad. Well, well, no, but I did learn that if you want, I mean, that, that is the loneliest town in the world to be by yourself because <laughs> everyone's with someone having a good time. And then just, there's just you like that, that movie leaving Las Vegas, wasn't he going to go down there and, and, and kill himself. Right. Yeah. And I don't mean why I want to talk gloom and doom here on the, but it was, that was what the movie was about. And, and you go down there by yourself. It is, dude, it's a dark place, man. It's a dark place. No, imagine Four, lost. Four, 14 days in Vegas is terrifying. Yeah. Imagine if you oh lost all your money on day six. Well, I had, I had to absolutely. And, and I will say this, thank God that we spent most of the first six days in the volleyball arena. Cause if I wasn't, I probably would. I mean, I might've even, even there's two swings here. There's no even ground at Vegas. <laughs> You're either getting absolutely crushed, you know, by the, the, the tables or whatever, or you're, you're absolutely killing it. And then that becomes problematic. Either way, it's problematic, right? How many, so, how many pools did you go to? We went to a few. Did you? Yeah. I mean, and I learned that I am completely out of shape. Well, you know, yeah, I mean, that is, you know. It, I, as I say, I don't take my shirt off going in the shower anymore. No. So I, I sure as hell not doing it in the pool. A, four, a 47-year-old guy from Ohio down in Vegas. Not a good scene, man. So we're not going to have a suit? No, not a good no? scene, brother. Not right, a good scene. Right. So, yeah. So just uh, um, uh, winding that up, which is which is good. Um, and then that's it, man. Like you said, getting, getting ready to uh, get on the ice. We had some fun golf last week. Yeah. Did a little Ryder cup action last week, which is fun. Uh, Dan, how's it going with you? I, I have to tell you the story. Uh, my wife was out weeding and uh, I think she weeded a few of my garlic plants and then I had to stop her. So. Uh, I mean, everything's good around here. Uh, love. You'll appreciate this. We have gone uh, four days now in a row pooping on the toilet which is oh, the greatest yeah. thing in the world <laughs> yes, so sir. so emmett's uh emmett was told once summer officially started there was no more diapers and it was only on the toilet so you hear him yelling in the background uh we've also taken up climbing trees um just so basically to... basically what you're telling me is you are one ambulance ride away from the emergency room oh yeah pretty much 
I like Den- it. I like Denise it was outside with him the other day. Came inside to like refill her glass of water. Came out. He was halfway up the tree. No <laughs> idea how he got there. No idea what was going on. He just started climbing a tree. He's exploring, man. Yes. So so when when does uh, when does the hose come out? When does he start drinking out of the hose? Oh, he already has. Beautiful. So anytime I'm out there, the, day, the days that we got to get back to these kids climbing trees and drinking out of hoses, that's when we know we're doing something right. Yeah. Hey, Danny, has he yet to have to go to the bathroom and instead of going in the house, gone behind a tree and then high five you? No, not yet. Um, oh, get ready. But he did. Uh, Mags will be flying when that happens, dude. It is. It, it is windy outside. Oh, my Lord. He was getting ready for a bath yesterday and he had to go had to go pee. So he tried to stand next to the regular toilet and he was a little too short for it. So instead he just has that problem too. He so just, he it. just turned right to this, to the tub and just peed in the tub. It all goes to the same place. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like mixing your food together, right? It's I, all going to end up in the same spot. I thought you were going to say he tried to like loft it, lob it, lob it into the toilet a little bit. I do that all the time. No, yeah, we, have, we haven't got that far yet. Okay. So my son came home from daycare or wherever he was and he said, he was all excited because he peed standing up in the toilet. He's like, Dad, I peed standing up. Oh, that's awesome. He goes, tomorrow I'm going to poop standing up. Oh, Jesus. I said, no, no, no. We'll work on that one. No, you should have said, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're at daycare. Let them figure it out. He's rolling upper deckers. Daycare. I love it. Hey, Dad, guess what I did today? I did, upper, I did an upper decker today. Wait till they find out. There's some paperwork you got to fill out. Absolutely. Well, it's good having everyone back here in the studio, except for Dan again, but that's okay. We'll, uh, we'll give him a pass. Let's see what's in the news of the Ohio Hockey Digest. The Ohio Hockey Project Summer League starts up next week. Rosters for the All Futures League teams from Pee Wee up to U18 are available on Ohio Hockey Digest, and the Summer Elite Elite Roster Reveal is coming soon with all the college and pro players. You can find roster schedules, scores, and statistics all summer long at www.ohiohockeydigest.com. Three Youngstown Phantoms received year-end recognition from the USHL. Phantom center Adam Ingram, a projected second-round pick in the NHL draft, was named to the all-rookie first team, while goalie Jacob Fowler was named to the second rookie team, and Youngstown blue liner Trey Taylor was named third-team all-USHL. Also, former Ohio AAA Blue Jackets defenseman Nathan McBrayer was named USHL second-team all-rookie along with Fowler. Some player advancement news. Columbus Mavericks defenseman Ryan Lempicki will play ACHA hockey at Oswego State University beginning in the fall. Former Cleveland Baron U14 and Toledo Cherokee U16 goaltender Devin Boback will play NCAA Division III at Trinity College in Connecticut. Boback, a native of Northwood, Ohio, posted a 2.09 goals against average and a 9.21 safe percentage with the Shreveport Mudbugs of the Tier 2 North American Hockey League this past season. The OHL's number two overall pick, center Malcolm Spence, has officially signed with the Erie Otters and immediately becomes one of the top players to watch in the OHL for the 2024 NHL entry draft. And the following girl players from Gilmore Academy were selected to attend USA Hockey National Development Camps. 15-year-olds Ella Johnson, Maura O'Keefe, Natalie Andalova, and Morgan Slough. And the 16-17 age group Alex Castolo, Sistolo. Sistolo, thank you, Coach Sullivan, and Lila Sue, while Malaya Alaba and Sophia Johnson are listed as alternates. Way to go, Alex. I have known the Sistolos for a long time, and she just is a she's a player, man. Great. Uh, look forward to watching her. She's gonna have a she's gonna have a career, I can guarantee that. NHL playoffs. I know we haven't introduced Rob yet, so jump in if you want, because uh, we were talking a little NHL playoffs earlier. Uh, which team or and or players have been the most fun to watch uh, so far? You you said somebody earlier. Who, who do you think? Easily, yeah, Cal McCarr. I mean, uh, watching what he does, his edges, his, his footwork. Um, watching guys trying to try to forecheck him, and he's like a magician. Uh-huh. It's unreal yeah. watching him move the puck. Um, it's a great series. Edmonton, Colorado, fantastic. Uh, I think it's gonna be over tonight, though. I agree, with you. I agree with you on that. Okay. Well, we just played Debbie Downer there. Come on. I mean, playoff <laughs> hockey. Let's, it's let, great. It's great. Right. But, right. but the Avalanche are too deep. The Avs are yeah. like the Red Army. Oh, my God. They're unreal. So I, I guess the next question is you guys think that they can finish the sweep tonight? Yes. 
Yeah, hundred percent. So I, I would I think Mike Smith's going to come up with a huge game, and they're going to they're going to extend it by one. Mike game. Smith had a huge game the other night. Too. I think Scott's yeah, Scott's out of his mind. There's well, no way he's going to let in the softy from the blue line. <laughs> he might. Well, the thing is, he had a he had a great night the other night on Saturday night, but gives up one softy, and it it's end the game. Yeah. Right. And I don't know. I I don't think they come back with Mike Smith next year. I I could be wrong. They shouldn't have come back with Mike Smith this year. I know, but. I, well, you know, I mean, look, what, what were the options? What were their options? They, they weren't getting Mark Andre out of, out of Vegas at the time. And so what were their options? I don't know why they I, didn't play there. What the kid room? that they brought up from the minors was the best, had the best numbers but, of the three. And it was a small sample, but keep playing, keep playing. Them. You got to keep playing them. I mean, Mike Smith goes in every game and why is not? good for at least one bad goal every game. And, and if you do that, in a two-two game, every player that's currently a uh, established NHL player at some point they said, "Okay, you're in. We're going to keep going back to you," and they just stayed in. So why wouldn't you play your third, your young goalie? Exactly. If the other two guys are shit in the bed. Just, I agree, I agree with that. I mean, the other right? thing is, I, I think Mike Smith should have been a defenseman. I mean, he moves the puck really well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. he's phenomenal. But he his his angles, his his positioning, the way he moves in the net, very, very unconventional. It's uh, he's Dominic Hostick without the saves. Not bad for a 40 year old goaltender either. True. Better than me. <laughs> it was uh, one game an appropriate uh, suspension. So I was going to talk about Kadri out for the rest of the season. I, I mean, series, I, there, I, he might, he might come or back. a series. Yeah. He might come back. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, surgery on his thumb today. Oh, not ruled out for the next series. If they make it, I don't know. I mean, I say no, I don't think it's a one game. You do? I, I don't think it's I, – I, I've seen worse. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's a game is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with you on that. I don't I don't believe he should – that uh, – what's his name? Uh, Evander Kane should have been suspended whatsoever. I mean, and again, forget my memories. Jaunt is here because I've watched so much hockey, but who ran over the goaltender to uh, last series? Kadri. Yeah, Nazem Kadri. <laughs> no, 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 no. He – no, that wasn't – that wasn't uh, – it was Edmonton – what was it, Edmonton? Was it Smith that came out? Oh, gonna, yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it was... Uh, so, Lindholm? It was either that or it was uh, um, Coleman. Blake Coleman, was it? Well, anyhow, somebody Someone, ran one of the goaltenders. Oh, it was Milan Lucic. Lucic, that's right. And as Lucic said, if I wanted to run him over, he, he'd have left the game. Did did he get did he get suspended? I don't think... No. He no. Did. And no. I thought that hit was a lot worse. Yeah. I mean, that's just that's just me. And and the, and, and Kadri's hit on uh, Bennington. That was not a suspension. No. 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 I mean, come on. Anyone that knows hockey knows that, that that was just a that's a it's a play. I mean, it is what it is. And I I know they hated him. And he what does he do? He goes out and gets a hat trick the next game in, in St. Louis and whatever. It is what it is, right? But I don't think that was it. it I, I disagree with the one game, but again, I'm not in Toronto. So yeah, it is what it is. Tampa Bay gets on the board against the Rangers last night, two to one. Thoughts on that series? I don't know what they're waiting for. I, I think Tampa Bay is better than New York, and they're just not playing like it. I mean, the, was it the first night they got kind of shit kicked by the Rangers? And I'm watching the passes they're making through the neutral zone and, and end zone, and I'm like, this is not a shinny game on a Sunday night, guys. You guys are the best players in the world, and it looks like shinny. But they, they're back-to-back Stanley Cup champions, they're going to figure something out, I, I assume. However, maybe just New York's hot right now. Well, I, what if their goalie is better than Vasilevsky? He's not. Right. Even he said so. <laughs> Scott goes there. Yeah. Well, of course he's going to say that. Fantasy league right Yeah, here? yeah, of course he's going to say that. I mean, well, what if they beat him? What if they beat him in five games? Well, what if your aunt had, she'd be your uncle. I mean, it is what it is, right? Like, I mean, let's, we got to go history. We got to go, we got to go length. One, one series so, isn't going to define who's the best goaltender. Right. You got, you got. Playing like that all year. Well, so is Vasilevsky. Vasilevsky, but here's the thing. He's, I tell Vasilevsky, tell Vasilevsky, say you best. You he, best. He's, he's Number done, one bullshit. He's done it year in and year out. Yeah. If yeah. if this guy continues to do that year in, then that's what a discussion. He's starting to go down. The other but you don't know that, oh, though. he's not I'm going asking. down. I'm not saying I'm asking. He's not going The reason down. why he's saying this is because he's a freaking from New Hampshire. He hates the Rangers. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I'm from Canada, so I'll, I'll play uh, Switzerland here real, yes. real quick. We're trying to pick between... <laughs> Two of the best goalies in the world is like trying to pick your favorite kid, right? You can't. You can't pick your favorite kid. My kids I mean, are too young. I can. You can't. They're not listening. 
ahead. But, it, but I, I think the Rangers are, are so – I think they're deeper. I think they're deeper than uh, the Lightning. I think the, the kid line's playing phenomenal. So do you think well, that – is playing out of his mind. Do you think that the 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 cap trouble – I don't say trouble, but the cap situation Tampa had to get – or got themselves into running those two cups back-to-back, having to get away or get rid of uh, Barkley Goodrow, uh, a, a Blake Coleman – you think that those pieces that had to leave or they could not resign, those were the depth pieces that got them those two cups. Without them, I'm not saying they're average. They're still well above average. But those are two huge pieces that maybe makes this series a little more even today. Yeah, those are, those are big pieces trying to replace. I mean, that uh, who's their, playing on third line? Is it Ryan? I think it's yeah, he's, something he, Ryan, he's, yeah. he's playing incredible. But I think the Rangers' third line is better than the the Lightning third line. I mean, the, they're they're playing with grit and they're playing. They're young. They they got fresh legs. You know, it's like watching those guys play men's league that are twenty years old. No matter how good you were when you when you were forty, you don't have those legs. Right. So th- those two first round picks are, are finally coming to fruition. Capocaco, Alexi Lafreniere. Yeah, potentially. So one last question before we get to uh, uh, Rob McKinley here in studio. Could Dreisaitl want out of Edmonton, uh, kind of like uh, Matthews when they're, I mean, do they want, I mean, how do these guys want out? Well, I think if Edmonton doesn't win something, I think, uh, so McDavid, I think, has three more years. Um, but Dreisaitl's up in two years. And I think they have the same situation in Toronto. I don't think it's a coincidence that uh, Matthews signed a contract that would make him a free agent as like at the earliest possible time. I think he's got two more years too. Um, you think he goes to Arizona? Could. No, no, I don't. Probably not, not if they're playing in a 4,000 seat arena. Not yeah. yet. No. Or whatever. But, I mean, you want to talk about a guy that could just live on easy street. If he went to Arizona compared oh, yeah. to the media in Toronto versus Arizona. Forget it. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, I don't know why they signed. So he, he just gave himself all the leverage in the world by signing the, the term that he did, but Edmonton's got to win something. I think those guys are going to leave. I mean, do you see an overhaul in Edmonton this year? Well, they can't, I mean, you can only change so many parts. You've got the guys that are signed long-term. You've got obviously the two best, two of the five probably best players in the world. Yep. You need a goalie, obviously. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're not going to stick with them? No. <laughs> <laughs> Running back. Although I think he's signed for next year too. I mean, are, are, he's what's the, I mean, how old's Duncan Keith? You know. Yeah, but I think he's he's got another year or two on his contract, and yeah, he's not, yeah. They, there's only so much you can do. Not that this person needs any more. Uh, I don't even know the term. This guy's got so much. His name's flying around her so much. But how about Biz? cutting his hair the other day oh god that, i saw a picture of that. what i didn't, the, I didn't see this? the context oh my gosh you know what that's about yeah absolutely okay. yeah that's, it was be, between that's him bad. and whitney i know that but i mean not that he needs any more publicity in this world I and mean, the guy is a phenomenon right now but when he did that and then how about the video of, of whitney <laughs> with all of his boys and then there's biz just in the background he's just like popping up and down with that, with that. Yeah. oh it's beautiful yeah peter man biz yeah was, oh yeah, yeah peter man biz yeah what i was really impressed by was on that tnt broadcast <laughs> Gretzky and Tockett and I forget the other guy's name. Anson Carter. Anson Carter. They, they were pretending like it didn't happen. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I, I, I couldn't take my eyes off. It oh. was amazing. And, and the funny part was seeing seeing that haircut. And then it, I don't know if it was toward the end of the game or, or right before the third period. And Biz is like, he, he's given a, a, a point. He's making his point. And he's getting real animated. And all I can see is that haircut. <laughs> and I'm dying laughing. Like, uh-huh. I don't care what you're it saying so right good. now. So good. Yeah, it was great. And then they, they, you know, they sent out the video of it all, you know, the haircut going down. And they had to take him in the back and then put a bick to it yeah. to get it nice and soft. They're like, oh, they bicked them up, man. <laughs> so, yeah, good stuff going on. Not, not only on the ice, but off the ice as well uh, with the NHL playoffs. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest Odd Air Podcast is brought to you by the Ohio Hockey Project. Keep developing your game this summer with youth camps and off-season training sessions. Go to www.ohiohockeyproject.com to learn more.
Welcome back. A former junior and college hockey player from Ontario, Rob McKinley is now a hockey dad and coach here in Northeast Ohio and founder and co-president of Hockey Players in Business, a tremendous networking organization with chapters all over the United States. Please welcome on air, Rob McKinley. Welcome, Rob. Thanks, coach. Appreciate that. You know, we want to hear all about, you know, this hockey players in business and in particular details about an event you have coming up next week. Uh, But first, let's hear about your playing career. You have also done some coaching. Take us back to the beginning. Where did you grow up? How far did your career get? Um, And then how did you end up here in Ohio? Well, I uh, was born in Sarnia, Ontario, which is right across the border from Port Huron. Uh, My dad worked for Shell. And we lived in Winnipeg or Winterpeg, we called it. And then lived in Edmonton, lived in Calgary, right in the heyday when the, when the uh, Oilers were winning their cups. Uh, everything in my room had uh, Wayne Gretzky, everything. So it was, uh, I started playing when I was about four. Uh, played AAA hockey growing up uh, when I was about Peewee and Bantam. Played for the Calgary Royals. And then uh, my dad got a job in Cleveland, Ohio, and uh, moved us to Mentor. And I played one my senior year at Mentor High School, 94, 95. And uh, then I, got, I started getting recruited to play hockey. Uh, in hindsight, I should have gone and played juniors. I had a handful of juniors offers uh, and played Team Ohio at the time. And then uh, went to Mercier's to play on their D2 team. And unfortunately, things didn't play out that I wanted. And I played D1 club for four years. Had a blast. It's a long, great story. I can tell you another time over beer, but I uh, did play D1 lacrosse there too. And most importantly, met my wife there second weekend freshman year. And she's uh, three or four leagues above me. I signed her a long-term deal. Rest is history. So. <laughs> Love it. Love it. So how much coaching did you uh, do? And in what programs did you coach with and, and under? Uh, I started coaching actually. My, the first team I coached was actually a soccer team. When I was a senior in high school, a girl I was dating uh, wanted me to short-term deal. Short-term deal, yeah. <laughs> must not have PTO. Been pretty, PTO. It was a bridge deal. Yeah, must not have been a very good coach. But uh, no, I, I started coaching at a really young age. Um, I was I was telling Scott earlier. I started a, a, a hockey camp, terrible branding called the McKinley School of Hockey, uh, and I ran that. Uh, it would have been 2000, 2001. It was the largest camp in Ohio, actually. We had 185 kids, and then we had a camp in PA. Um, a lot of uh, Canadian buddies of mine, a lot of college buddies of mine. And uh, so from there, then I coached the Lumberjacks with, uh, with Bob Whitten. Uh, he was coaching a team older than me. Uh, so I coached, I've coached kids from the ages of like four or five years old all the way up through high school, um, from AAA all the way down to A, B, doesn't matter. Um, 20 plus years coaching, I'm now retired, which is fantastic. I, I love coaching. When I come back and coach again, it's going to be a team of orphans. Oh, yeah. Oh, why? 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 <laughs> Please explain. Please explain that one. Please. That's a new one. Why? Oh, no reason. No, no, reason. no? no, no most no. parents, most parents are great, but it's, you know, you get, they get emotionally invested and everyone wants the best for the kids. And, um, you know, the, the hard part is a lot of, a lot of, a lot of people don't have perspective on how hard it is to get, to the next level, particularly to college, then the pros and the odds of making a paycheck from the game of hockey is meaningful is pretty remote. So it's all about just life skills, learn how to be a good teammate. We hire a lot of athletes at our, at our company, just, uh, and even my former career too, it's just, you know, people that that can be part of a team that can compete and want to work hard, get some gritty goals. Those are kind of kind of people want to hire. What was what was the, the biggest difference coming out of Ontario and, and and or coming out of Canada rather, and coming to to Menor? What were the biggest differences you saw, just in the way the game was played? Were there any at all? Uh, Jay, it was a great question. It, it actually wasn't game specific. The biggest difference for me, and I played on you know some pretty high level teams. Uh, I played football. I played lacrosse. Played every sport you could imagine, and. If, if we had 100 people at our hockey game, that meant someone had a really, really big family. Same for our football teams. I moved to Menor. We were getting 2,000 people at our high school hockey games. It was banana lands. <laughs> I remember having to wait. I remember getting asked to get interviewed after every game by reporters, and I'm literally in my towel. Like, what is going on here? So the sensationalism, like the, the, the media coverage, uh, the game, the game transcends. I mean, yeah. the, 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 
North American style between Canada and the U.S. is the same, um, but just the media coverage and the fanfare was was remarkable. It was, it was really cool. Reading in the next morning how you know what the reporter thought about how I played or how our team played. Yeah, it was pretty cool. It was it was covered differently then too. It was covered much differently then. Much. Much deeper now, now, I mean, now if it was not, and, and I, I know he's sitting here, I would say this if he, I would say this if he wasn't sitting here, but what in the God's name? He he did that purposely with his computer because you're getting ready to say something nice about him. Oh, what a jerk. You're a jerk, Scott. Um, You know, if it wasn't for Scott, we wouldn't have the coverage that we used to have in those early late eighties, early nineties, uh, probably through the middle of nineties when they would actually cover it locally. Now it's non-existent. If it wasn't for Scott, we would have nothing. Yeah, totally agree. Which yeah, I remember, I remember, I remember seeing game. a page or two in the plain dealer news, news Herald, uh, uh, just covering high school sports. Yeah. doesn't exist anymore. You know, it's sad and, and not to get on my, my tangent here, but the plain dealer, they, you know, they, they complain about not being able to sell print anymore. Well, Cleveland, and its suburbs are a high school sports town. Totally. I don't care what it is. And they stopped covering it. And I'm, I, w- I would say, I'd, I mean, I'd, I'd stand on top of my soapbox and say, that's a big reason why the print stopped. I mean, people stopped buying print because they weren't covering high school sports anymore. And I mean, it doesn't matter if it's someone who's involved or just the guy Sunday morning eating his donuts, you know, whatever. They want to read about high school sports. Yeah. Right. And it's not there. I mean, Chris Lillstrung does a nice job with, uh, out your way out there in the mentor area and and other than that you know how many t- hey how come i can't find your game in uh plain dealer, plain dealer. It, it, it's neither can we it's, it's okay it's even now i mean you get 60 to 60 year old men and women that like i mean my parents they they, they couldn't figure out how to figure out you know cleveland.com slash high school sports slash hockey they just want to open up the newspaper and there's a lot of people that want to do that they can't do that anymore so so, all right, we have you here because we want to talk about hockey players and business. That is obviously your, your brainchild and your baby. How did that get started? And what is the mission of hockey players in business? Yeah, thanks, Jay. So like uh, all great drills, the best ones are usually stolen. Sure. So uh, a good buddy of mine uh, by the name of Aaron Grossman runs a company here in town called Talent Launch. And he's a, he was an avid, he played college, he was a college wrestler, uh, really into wrestling, a uh, big advocate. And he started wrestlers in business. And he's telling him about this. We're, we're, we're catching up over lunch. And they had chapters all, all over the country, different model, kind of decentralized. So every chapter had their own bank account and their own tax ID number. They could charge whatever they wanted to charge. And then I was thinking to myself, you know what? I'm not that smart, but I'm like, there are a lot more adult hockey leagues than there are adult wrestling leagues. I don't know of many wrestling leagues. Maybe Scott does. Jay, maybe you do. No, I don't. I don't. Yeah. So um, why, did, why didn't you ask me? WWE. <laughs> I just presumed you already knew. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> yeah. So uh, from there, I, I, I had a, I've been blessed to have a nice network here in town, great people, and uh, had a meeting downtown and a bunch of business owners and kind of flowed the idea, all hockey guys. And uh, from there, in 2016, we started Hockey Players in Business, and we're a nonprofit, 100% volunteer-led. We've got 22 chapters around the country, over 1,000 members, 50 bucks a year to join. And the mission basically is twofold. One is to uh, help hockey players in business expand their professional network. And number two, most importantly, is to give back to the game of hockey. So year-to-date, since inception, we've given back $150,000 to hockey-related causes. Oh, that's great. Uh, it's, it's, it's fantastic. It's, um, the nice thing, too, is you know, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of great nonprofits in, in this country and, uh, and throughout the world, and there's a thing called an efficiency ratio as far as how, what, every dollar that comes in, what percentage of, the, of that money goes back out to help. And because we're 100% volunteer-led, it's like 97%. That's fantastic. 80 is a good number. So 97 is exceptional. So it's been, it's been fun. It's a labor of love. The number of the number of connections throughout the country, the impact we've made, the, the impact on people's businesses and, you know, personally and professionally has been incredible. So having a blast. That's phenomenal. And we got a great team, great board, and a lot of people really engaged with the country. So how does someone, who can join? I mean, how, how does that work? So we're, we're very inclusive. It's uh, and it's agnostic to skill level. 
So all you have to have really done is played one year of hockey. So you could have retired as a peewee. You could play through high school. You could play the NHL. You could pick, pick up the game when you're 45 because your kids play and you think that looks really fun. As long as you're in the locker room for one season, you can join if you have a job or are looking for a job. So it's we're going to keep our membership pricing at 50 bucks a year uh, in perpetuity. And it's an aggregated contribution model. So we have 1,000 members given 50 bucks a year. That's 50,000 bucks. We can give back 47,000 of that. Well, that's great. Well, they let me join. So give you an idea where the bar is as far as skill level. They let you join? Yeah. So credibility down there yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> this, this podcast is over is this for fan is it fantasy sports or did you play deck hockey no, I, played, I played some organized hockey back in the day bubble he said peewees was okay <laughs> sorry <laughs> sorry go ahead i'm sorry uh so tell tell us uh, what like what kind of events uh do you put on um yeah. Of, yeah yeah great question scott so uh all the chapter directors they you know throughout the country three or four events a year and they could be happy hours. They could be speaker series. I, I know coach Sully was there and we had Mike Rupp come in town. Um, so every chapter has a discretion to kind of do their own thing. Um, we have a, a great event coming up next week, June 15th at shooters. And it's a, it's a collab using the word from uh, Paul Bizanet um, with shooters, barstool sports and pink Whitney. Oh, geez. And it's uh, we're we're trying really hard to try and get Ryan Whitney there, and I I don't know if we can do it because the playoffs are in full go, but um, yeah, it's twenty five bucks to come if you're a member. It's fifty bucks if you're not, and there's going to be a ton of people there and tons of Pink Whitney merch giveaways, uh, a lot of cool stuff going on. Music will be bumping. It'll be a great time. Wednesday, June fifteenth, six to nine p.m. Right. 6 to 9 p.m. at Shooters. Yes, sir. And people can go get tickets where? Go to hockeyplayersandbusiness.org. So just Google hockey players and business, and it'll come up right away. I uh, So my brother's 50th birthday is that day, and my his wife has this big thing that night. I'm trying to get her to move it to another night. <laughs> she does not know why. She doesn't listen to the podcast, but she does not know why. She, I'm trying to get her to move it. I'm like, listen, I don't know if that night works. Can we do something a different <laughs> night? Because so I appreciate that. Yeah, no, Scott, Scott sent it to me. What, what a month ago or whatever it was and he and i was like oh son of a gun let me see if i can get something moved so um all right so you, you said you like you mentioned we made it out to the uh to, to the event that you had uh down in valley view uh and with uh mike rupp who are some of the other people that you've had to, uh, at your events i mean this is the time to name drop for your organization for our podcast yeah so uh uh billy jaffe from the uh from nesson and uh uh uh, NHL Network. He he he's coming a couple of times. He's fantastic. Uh, obviously, we had Rupper. We've had CEOs of different companies come in town. Um, we've had coaches of NHL teams, uh, former players. We did a, a really cool panel. We had uh, Brian Holzinger and Mike Wilson, and I think Tony Perpick was on that, and one other uh, former pro. Just kind of give him perspective on playing the game at a high level and uh, just just a whole host of great events. And we got a bunch of NHL players uh, as part of our network, but again, it's, it, it, it's agnostic. It's, it's about loving the game of hockey. Right. It's about giving back to it. And uh, that's been really fun. What do, what do you see as, is most of the, the people that come in, like, like when we came to the rep event, what, what do you find that most of the, I guess the listeners want to know about from these, these former pros and these CEOs? really just they just want to hear stories i mean people love stories you sell things by by telling stories right uh so hearing rupper talk about when he played on that uhl team the suitcase the suitcase yeah and <laughs> just hearing hearing behind the scenes kind of stories uh we've done things with the with the monsters and had, had, had jocko talk and just kind of give him perspective and then from this from a ceo perspective just you know how do you how do you take what you learn from the great game of hockey and apply that to your life and apply it to business. I have to say that, that, I mean, I really enjoyed that, that night. Uh, that was my, obviously the first time and I'm hopefully gonna be able to come back to more, but um, I don't know if it was just great timing because that documentary just started to hit. It was incredible. It was incredible timing. <laughs> and it was, it, and then you had Rupp there and he was talking about 
the suit or the duffel bag or suitcase yeah, or whatever bag, it was, yeah. the duffel bag. But and and I have to say, and, and the the quality of event that you put on, it it, it wasn't just a, you know bush light draft beer. I mean, the quality of event that you guys put on and the people there and the networking there was was phenomenal. It was a phenomenal. I mean, I've only been to one. I hope to get to more. It was a phenomenal evening. So. Well, I appreciate that. And, and, and for the listeners too, we uh, run a, a tournament every year. It's our largest fundraiser. We raised 30 grand this year. Uh, main beneficiary is an organization called ASHA, which is American Special Hockey Association. Uh, we had a hundred with eight teams. This is in April of 2022, eight teams, hundred plus players, 45 came from outside of Cleveland. Wow. So we had players from Indianapolis, Pittsburgh, Detroit, New Jersey, New York, Columbus, you name it. Um, what level? All levels. Okay. It's just, a, 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 and it's uh, a scored system. So if you're an A player, when you score, it's worth one. If you're a B player, it's worth two. And if you're a C player, it's worth three. Oh, wow. So it's a- If I we, score, it's four. We, Seven. We might Seven. even give Scott 10. <laughs> but, but no, it's, 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 a, it's an absolute blast coaching. Uh, I, I think, that, you know, Doing events like that, and the, and the thing that's really, really fascinating, I'm sure everyone listening to this podcast, you go to different networking events, and you meet all these people, and you hope you find somebody, you know, you, you have something in common with. Well, it's really hard. You meet like 50 people at an event, maybe you connect with somebody, but if you go to a hockey players and business event, everyone there has something in common. Everyone there, know, you know, the hockey brings that bond no matter what level you play, so it's, uh, I'd highly recommend it. Get involved, join the join uh, HBIB if you if you have, have a have a chance, and I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. So again, June fifteenth, six p.m. to nine p.m., HPIB Cleveland Happy Hour event with Pink Whitney Vodka and Barstool Sports uh, at Shooters uh, in Cleveland on the Flats, and they can go to what website again to sign up? Go to uh, hockeyplayersandbusiness.org, and Barstool Sports is sending personalities from Cleveland and Chicago. Okay. So it's going to be, should be very well attended. Well, again, we appreciate you coming in and in studio is, is awesome as, as always. Um, nice seeing you again and appreciate what you do for all the hockey people here in, in Cleveland, but across the, the country as well. So thank you for that. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest on-air podcast is brought to you by the Ohio Hockey Project. Keep developing your game this summer with youth camps and off-season training sessions. Go to www.ohiohockeyproject.com to learn more. Welcome back to On Air. We have talked to our next guest, Mark Monroe, a few times before, as he is our go-to guy when it comes to high school hockey in Northwest Ohio. Mark is also the beat writer for the Toledo Walleye, who played the first two games of the Kelly Cup Final at the Huntington Center over the weekend. Please welcome On Air, Mark Monroe. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me back, guys. Appreciate it. Always love having you. Always love Well, you have been a busy man, and uh, we're going to get to that in a minute. Before we could talk about the playoff run by the walleye, give our listeners who may not know, I mean, we know, you know, but the listeners, some of the listeners do not know the craziness that's going on in Toledo with the arena, the crowds, the product they have consistently put on the ice since 2014. Yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun guys. Just the arena, the Huntington center um, has been packed. They have had 10 games. Every one of them has been a sellout. The average crowd of 8,280 and they're all fully into it. They get the cowbells are a big thing here. They had a whiteout uh, for Friday and Saturday towels, rally towels. And just uh, it's been bonkers. I didn't think it could get any louder because they made the Kelly cup finals in 2019 and the, the place was bananas, but 
I think they might even elevate it this past weekend. But the only thing missing, of course, were uh, a couple of W's, which, uh, you know, sent the, uh, the fans home a little uh, upset uh, Saturday night. Uh, now now they have to go down to Florida and play uh, in the arena down there. So we'll see. Right. I, w- I was uh, watching the g- or listening to the game the other night, and <laughs> I said to my wife, I'm like, hey, do you want to know why this is total minor league hockey? We were watching the NHL. And then listening to the uh, uh, walleye, and she's like, "What?" I go, "Just listen," and all you hear is the cowbells in the background. I'm like, "There you go. That there it is, right there." Yeah, those those can tend to drive you a little bonkers. To be honest with you, they get the real heavy ones, and it's it's a it's a deafening rattle in there. But it's certainly a home ice advantage. And the walleye had been doing really well both at home and on the road up until uh, this uh, the first two games of the finals. Here they lost. Uh, three to two on Friday and then three to one on Saturday. Uh, I know they're really hoping to get a couple down in Florida to, to get it back here. Of course, the walleye have home ice advantage because they won the regular season title home ice advantage throughout the playoffs. So they're hoping to get it back here for game six and seven. Nice. So how much of that, I mean, you, you mentioned how the atmosphere is through the roof with the, obviously the cowbells and the, you know, one minute, one minute left in the period. Thank you. You know, the, the minor league crowd and all. But how much of that do you think is, uh, you love when I do that one. This is an official timeout. What official? Um, I, <laughs> I love the minor league crowd. The minor league crowd is second to none. It's fair. I mean, we, we, went, we went to Port Huron one time, and it was Star Wars night and Chuck-a-Puck, and Port Huron scored a goal, and they all chucked their pucks when the, the goal scored. I love mm. the crowd. I love the energy. How much do you think that the pandemic and the walleye opting out of 2021 uh, of the season, how much of that pent up energy is coming through now with this playoff run? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. I mean, uh, they've the walleye have really had a good following since their inception in 2009. It really is gradually built, and I do think that year off really beat up, built up a uh, pent up uh, desire to see the the hockey again. And they have so many neat traditions. You guys are talking. They throw a walleye on the ice here after the first goal. They have the old hit somebody chant uh, during the national anthem. A lot of neat little things like that, chants and stuff. And uh, I'll tell you, the the players, I've talked to them through the years, and, and they, they say they really, it motivates them. It gives them a little additional energy, maybe late in games. And, and you can feel it in that place when they score. The momentum gets going, and all the players say that it's by far the best home ice advantage in the league, and it really helps them quite a bit. I couldn't imagine how it would not. I mean, I, I mean, a lot of these guys come out of, you know, division one, division three programs, but I don't know how it could not have an atmosphere like that and not just get them jacked up. Right. I mean, because it's not in and to our listeners, the Huntington Center is not sold out just for the playoffs. They sell out almost every game. Right, Mark? All year. I, I, I think well, they play uh, 36 games at home. I think they had 30 sellouts. So you're talking games and. December and January that really don't matter. And it's still packed. They're still into it. Now, again, it's raises to another level as it does in the playoffs, but you're right. It's, yeah, it's special. Cause I've been going on the road guys with these, with the walleye and down in Wheeling um, out in Utah was pretty good crowd, but down in Wheeling, it's just totally different atmosphere when there's no energy in a building, you can feel it and the players feel it. And I really think a lot of the guys come here because of that, a uh, couple other factories, uh, factors, because the walleye are always so, so successful, but they love playing for this fan base. Are you traveling to Florida? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I leave, uh, I leave tomorrow. I've traveled with them all the way throughout, uh, beginning what, April 22nd, uh, down to Cincinnati and to Wheeling, then all the way out to Utah, which was unbelievable. I don't know if you guys have ever been out to the, the mountains out there, but it was an unbelievable trip. And they went out there and they won all three games and played really well out there, and it was a great trip. So I think going down to Florida, I think they could get right back into this series. I really do. They're a good road team. I think they're 6-1 and one on the road. So, yeah, I'll be going down there, and uh, I know they're really looking to get back into it uh, um, Wednesday night for game three. So the Walleye had the best record in the ECHL this season. Um, what do you think were the keys to them going 30 games over 500? And what were some of the standout individual performances that contributed to that? You got to start with the offense. First of all, they led the league. They, they were a scoring machine as they are in the playoffs as well, averaging almost four goals a game. I mean, 
that's hard to beat a team when you like score like that. They have three lines. They're so deep, three lines. And then their 10th forward is, is skilled too. And as far as the individuals, captain TJ Hensick, he's a, a former university of Michigan player that played some 200 and some games in the NHL. He's 36 now and wants to end his here, career here with a title. So he's playing here in the ECHL to finish his career. He's been unbelievable. And then Brandon Hawkins is a guy who played at Bowling Green State University. He's another forward alignmate with Hensick, and he's been unbelievable. I think he ranked second in the playoffs in scoring. And uh, their linemate, Josh Dickinson, I could go on and on. But then you got to always talk about goaltending, of course. And the really neat story with their goalie here, he's an Air Force Academy graduate. His name's Billy Christopoulos. They call him Goose, big uh, top gun reference there, of course. But uh, he's just a calm and steady character guy. He's When he's done here, he's got to go back to military service. So uh, he's really wanting to go out. And the guys want to win a championship for him before he has to go back to the Air Force. Let's do a, a quick recap of the playoff run so far. Division semifinals came back to win last two at home and defeat Cincy four games to three. First two games in Toledo split. Both were very close. But did it start to get serious uh, when the series shifted to Cincinnati and the Cyclones won game three in, in overtime? Absolutely. That's exactly where it started to turn. They they, they started off that series so well, went up, I think, uh, and then they had to fight back from that series. They they got down 3-2, so they fit, faced uh, two must-win situations. They won a game seven here again at the Huntington Center, and that is when they really start to galvanize and started to, to make that run, that game seven win, and they did been rolling since then. Uh, they went into wheeling and swept them, uh, and then they got some reinforcements. I must make, make that clear. They got some uh, guys back from the higher level, the American Hockey League, a couple keep guys that their teams had been eliminated up in the A, so they came down. And it's really come together, really, at the end of the Wheeling Series into Utah. And uh, I think that adversity in Cincinnati is really going to help them here in the finals as they face this 0-2 deficit. How close did the Cincinnati goaltender, uh, Michael Hauser, come to stealing that series? Oh, the thing about that was crazy. He kept getting called up. I think he missed two of those games because he got called up. And I think... um, he did come back. He wasn't in that for game seven. So, you know, Cincinnati people may say it might have been different, but the wall I did get to him, he's an incredible goalie. He's probably the best goalie they've faced um, up until this point with Cam Johnson down in Florida. He's been unbelievable too. But yeah, Hauser, uh, he's an elite goalie, especially at this level. Divisional finals, sweep four nothing. Uh, was the series closer than it seemed? No, I got to I got to be completely Ileana. They they completely controlled that series from the get go. I think they struggled maybe in one game where they fell behind, but then roared back and they really didn't have any trouble with Wheeling. They were just too young. I think Wheeling had like half their roster more like 20 guys were all rookies, whereas the wall I have one rookie on the entire team and he's a scratch. Um, so it's a very veteran team and they took care of Wheeling. And then um, you probably want to ask about Utah and then. They, they met a, a, a formidable foe there with a lot of speed similar to them. and um, But they took care of business on the road out there. So I truly believe that the two best teams in the ECHL are playing in the uh, finals here. So you take a look at Wheeling and there's nobody in the stands. Those guys just, they're ready for summer. They're, they're ready to get out of there, aren't they? Yeah, it's kind of sad. It's I, They don't get much coverage down there. Um, it's, a, it's a neat little blue-collar town, but... Um, um, yeah, no, there just wasn't – the arena down there reminds me of the old sports arena up here. Just yeah. an old old venue that's really just full of character. But, yeah, the crowds weren't weren't very good there, and, and the team just, just wasn't on par. What gets more coverage, Wheeling Downs or the Wheeling Nailers? <laughs> you know, I got I to gotta say it's high school everywhere. Everywhere I go, it's – you know, it's, it's the high schools that uh, – get a lot of coverage and, and I appreciate that. No, you guys do too. I, I was going to ask what gets more coverage, the wheeling nailers or St. Francis high school. <laughs> I mean, really it's, it's, it's unbelievable that, uh, that some, I mean, Cincinnati, you know, they consider the, themselves a major league town. So they don't do anything with the cyclones down there as far as TV and the inquire the paper down there. So um, I'm fortunate up here that we uh, have such an avid fan base and, um, uh, you know, my bosses allow me to 
put all full coverage into this team. And that's been quite a ride. And I'll tell you. Well, let's get to the Kelly cup final. Excuse me. Tongue tied Florida Everblades. Great matchup. Two teams that are coming in hot. Could you break it down for us? The strengths and the weaknesses for both. Well, you got to start with Florida with their goaltender, Cam Johnson, as I was saying, he's been unbelievable. I think he has seven shutouts in the playoffs, which you guys know that's unbelievable. He nearly had his eighth on Saturday. Well, I got to go late to make it three to one, but that's going to be the key. We got to beat the goaltender, right? I mean, that's hockey one-on-one special teams, goaltending, and they've really stifled this walleye offense. Like I said, was just rolling and, um, they're just, they play this gritty style. It's uh, they've really gotten the walleye out of what they like to do, which is a fast paced, high skill speed game. Florida plays more of the post whistle, get in your face little. And then there's some concerns with the officiating, the inconsistency of the officiating, but Florida just plays a style that kind of has gotten Toledo off its game. Um, but we'll, we'll see what happens. I think it's just going to be Toledo's offense against uh, Florida's defense really going forward. And uh, unfortunately, the walleye dropped the first two games at home and will head to the Sunshine State in a 2-0 hole. Uh, game three, Wednesday night, they need a big win there. Uh, so tell us uh, about game one. They had a 2-0 lead after the first period. What happened after that? Yeah, I mean, that's uh, they've proven. If that's what they – I talked to a couple of the guys, and they just know that they can do this, get back to the way they played all playoffs because they did it in that first period. They looked like the wall like, – they looked like they were going to – roll over this team to be honest with you but then florida just took over the game and put you know started playing their style and the walleye got out of their style and started mixing it up and i think it got to them mentally and um yeah that then they turned it around that second period and really they've owned the series since then they just again with their defensive style just more of a not a pretty game to watch that's for sure they clog up the middle a lot of bodies in front uh just they pressure the puck hard, force turnovers. It's uh, it's been difficult. I know that uh, while I knew this is what they were going to face, so it's just a matter of playing their game uh, to get back into the series. Well, it looked like they had taken the lead, uh, an early lead in the second game as well with a shorthanded goal, but it was waved off. Mm-hmm. And then they ended up down to nothing after the first 20 minutes. Uh, Coach Watson made some comments to the blade about, uh, with some critical comments about the officiating. what What's your thoughts on, uh, well, first, I guess, on the officiating and then on his comments? Well, that going back to that first, you know, that would have been the game's first goal. And you're talking the walleye would have been up one nothing there. And you guys all know how pivotal that first goal could be, especially in the finals. And they celebrated, fish got thrown on the ice, place going nuts. They reviewed it. And I still really didn't get an official ruling on it. I think it was goaltender interference. It was one of those, the goaltender made the first stop and another walleye guy came in and pushed the puck in and, and they waved it off. And, and I think that really did something to the walleye mentally. But, and again, then they had the Florida started playing that uh, gritty style and uh, the officiating stuff. Um, you know, I know I wrote about it quite a bit and our columnist Dave Briggs did too. I think that's more of a heat of the moment thing where you're just so frustrated now, to be fair, Florida got five power plays to one for the for the walleye. And that you guys know that when you're on the PK that much, especially a team that likes to get up and down the ice on offense, that's going to affect your game. So, yeah, the players, and the coaches were a little upset that there was maybe some inconsistency where some things were being called and then just overlooked. All, all you're looking for really at any level is consistency. If you're going to you're going to call everything, call everything throughout the whole thing. If you're going to let stuff go, let it go. And uh, yeah, so they were frustrated more than anything. That's more of a heat of the moment. You know, they said some things, but I think they'll quickly move on from that. Do, do the, do the officiating crews travel with like as the series goals or are there two separate officiating crews for this final? Do you know? Yeah, it's, it's a whole group. They uh, grade the officials throughout the ECHL playoffs. And then whoever has the highest grade, I think uh, there's four refs and then the linesmen, um, will be with this, uh, with the series throughout. So it's a merit-based thing. And the interesting thing is two of the guys are first-year refs. So yeah, I don't know if you want a first-year guy co- uh, refing at this importance, but, you know, they, 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 they judge it on merit. And uh, so, yeah, it'll be the same officials they'll have to deal with down there. 
I was going to say, we should have looked this up before we talked about the officiating. I hope it wasn't Joe Sherman. No, I don't think. I, <laughs> he's not. A he's a linesman. It he's not matter. a first year. Right. He's a linesman. So, Mark, you talked a little bit about uh, uh, Hensick and, uh, you know, his contribution to the program and to the, the team. You know, tell us, have you had any discussion with him about his decision to keep playing in the East Coast Hockey League at 36 years old? And, you know, you said his presence is immense on, on, the, on the ice, but, you know, that takes that takes some that takes a special person to want to play in the East Coast League at 36 years old. Yeah, he's uh, he's right up from, I think, Howell, Michigan, which is 40, 45 minutes. He's it's been neat to watch him because he's gotten to bring his son, William. I think he's maybe five and it's been neat for him. Yeah, he said all along that this is it for him. He came here because he had buddies that have played for the wall. You know how the hockey world is. Everybody knows everybody and everybody spoke glowingly of playing for the wall. He thought, well, and that, and they've been in the finals. Now this is two, two times since 2019. He knew that they're competitive. They have a great fan base and yeah, he wanted to go out as a champion some interesting he had never scored a hat trick and he has in the playoffs he never played in a game seven and he played in a game seven in this playoffs um so it you know you play in i think he's played in the 900 almost a thousand games in his pro career and to not do those things and and the only thing missing is, is a championship and he's a great leader great character guy i think he was an assistant captain at michigan and he's been the captain here this is the second go around with the team actually he, uh he played for them in oh, now it's eight, 18, 19, but this is his first uh, run with them in the playoffs. And yeah, he's brought some other guys on board and uh, they've really become a tight group around him and some other uh, veteran leaders. So Mark, you talked about Florida style of play a little bit after the whistle, a little glove wash watching the highlights the other night seemed to be an awful lot of taunting of the crowd, the Toledo crowd from the Florida players. Um, have you had a chance to talk to the walleye players and, and did they take notice of some of the uh, gamesmanship, if you will? They absolutely did. Yes. And I did ask them that because uh, they, they were, uh, especially this goalie, if there's been a villain created in this series, it's certainly been Cam Johnson. Um, just uh, there was nearly a goaltender fight in the, uh, the game on, uh, on Saturday where uh, the two teams got together at center ice and, uh, yeah, he's, I think he's kind of like that kind of character. Um, but yeah, he taunted the crowd, give him a little, you know, that's one of the walleye players. Is, this is what he does in his celebration. So they, it was definitely a mocking. And they, Dan Watts and the walleye coach said, you guys watch them, watch what they're doing. And I uh, did ask Marcus Vela, one of the forwards afterwards. And he said, uh, yeah, we saw it. It's noted. That's all he said. So <laughs> get him, boys. Get him. I love that. Stuff. <laughs> you don't really need much more motivation when it's the finals, but when you see peep guys do that on your home ice, that's not going to sit well with anybody. I mean, they were, they were taunting the crowd. I mean, the crowd was rough on them as we've already talked about. So maybe they were just tired of hearing some of the chants and the walleye fans can be pretty, pretty tough. So they were maybe just giving it back to them. Maybe more has been made of it, but yeah, no, they saw it and they were not happy. The walleye players were not happy with that. Sure. Well, Mark, thanks for joining us again and giving us an insight on uh, uh, the playoffs with the walleye and then obviously the Kelly cup finals, uh, when the walleye come back to win and they win uh, the championship. Uh, maybe we can get on your uh, float during the parade. And, uh, we can, <laughs> You're welcome we, aboard. We can yes. Uh, uh, go live from there. So keep us in mind when they're doing the parade down. Uh, what is it? Monroe Avenue, whatever uh, is going on up there. <laughs> yep. Uh, yep. Mm -hmm. So, again, thanks for joining us. Appreciate that. We hopefully talk to you soon. Great talking with you guys. Hopefully we'll catch up soon. All right. We'll let you go finish packing. Safe, yeah. safe right. travel, bud. Safe, safe travels. travels. Thanks, guys. Well, good show this, uh, uh, this week. Uh, you know, uh, Rob McKinley talking about hockey players and business. That's a great, uh, great organization. Yeah. The fact that they're giving 97% of their uh, money that has come in back to hockey organizations is phenomenal. And I have, I have been to a couple of the events. Well, you guys came to one with me and I've been to a couple others and it's a great network networking opportunity. And it's always fun. So. Yeah. I'm, 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 hopefully I can get to this one at shooters. The one sounds really good at shooters. Yeah. But like I said, it, it, I've only been to one, but it surely sounds, and you could probably agree with this Scott, since you've been to multiple that it, the event that they put on is, is a high quality event. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, and, and no, do I know what I said earlier, you know, you're not drinking bush light out of a, a 
a red solo cup. There's nothing wrong with that. No, absolutely no, not. No, 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 no. no. It, was, it was a great time. The, the event that we went to was uh, down in Valley View here in Cleveland or west east side of Cleveland, excuse me. And, and the food was excellent. The, the conversations were excellent. Had a chance to catch up with some people that we knew and meet some new people as well. So it's serving its purpose. It's a networking uh, organization. Yeah. And it was a, a fantastic time. Thank you for joining us. And please come back next week to hear our conversation with Carrie Bowman, Director of Girls Hockey for the Ohio AAA Blue Jackets. Check out www.ohiohockeydigest.com for episode archives and a list of upcoming guests. Continuing to grow the game as best as we can. This is On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast. Cowboy. Cowboy. Well, I'm packing up my game and I'm going head out west where real women come equipped with scripts and fake press. Find a nest in the hill.